0: Isaiah has been giving us this series of burdens or prophecies about the nations around about, speaking about the way God will, in his providence over the coming years and and sometimes centuries, uh, accomplish his his plan of lifting nations up. And bringing them down again. And there are three burdens in this passage. The first one, although it's not explicitly stated uh, in the introduction at least, appears to be a burden concerning Babylon, a repetition of what has uh, in some way gone before. And um, we'll see that uh, as as this uh, opening burden uh, goes on, that Isaiah puts himself in the Uh, place of the king of Babylon and speaks as it were on his behalf. And then we'll encounter another uh, burden in verse 11, the burden of Duma. Uh, That's just a very short one and then we will have in verse 13 the burden that is upon Arabia. So three burdens today uh, for the price of one as it were and uh, we will read uh, in Isaiah chapter 21 and verse 1. This is the word of the Lord. The burden of the desert of the sea. As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it cometh from the desert, from a terrible land. A grievous vision is declared unto me, The treacherous dealer dealeth treacherously, and the spoiler spoileth. Go up, O Elam, besiege, O media, all the sighing thereof have I made to cease. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. These are the words now of the king of Babylon. Therefore are my loins filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold upon me, as the pangs of a woman that travaileth. I was bowed down at the hearing of it. I was dismayed at the seeing of it. My heart panted, fearfulness affrighted me. The night of my pleasure hath he turned into fear unto me. Prepare the table, watch in the watchtower, eat, drink, Arise, ye princes, and anoint the shield. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Go, set a watchman, let him declare what he seeth. And he saw a chariot with a couple of horsemen, a chariot of asses, and a chariot of camels. And he hearkened diligently with much heed. And he cried, A lion, my lord, I stand continually upon the watchtower in the daytime, and I am set in my ward whole nights. And behold, here cometh a chariot of men with a couple of horsemen. And he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the graven images of her gods he hath broken unto the ground. O my threshing, and the corn of my floor, That which I have heard of the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have I declared unto you. The burden of Duma. He calleth to me out of Seir. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, The morning cometh, and also the night. If ye will inquire, inquire ye. Return. Come. The Burden Upon Arabia. In the forest in Arabia shall ye lodge, O ye travelling companies of Dedanim. The inhabitants of the land of Timah brought water to him that was thirsty. They prevented with their bread him that fled. For they fled from the swords, from the drawn swords and from the bent bow, and from the grievousness of war. For thus hath the Lord said unto me, Within a year according to the years of an hireling, and all the glory of Kedar shall fail. And the residue of the number of archers, the mighty men of the children of Kedar, shall be diminished, for the Lord God of Israel hath spoken it. Amen. May the Lord bless to us this reading from His Word. It is a truth that is eternally fixed in heaven, and a truth that is graciously revealed on earth that salvation is of the Lord. And the fact that there is forgiveness of sin and the divine provision of redemption by blood is a glorious truth of God's revelation to men and women who are sinners. Now these things may not be generally believed. They may be mocked, they may be despised, they may be ignored, they may be rejected by fallen sinful creatures and repudiated with all the earthly wisdom known to man. But the fact that there is salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ shall be proved true. And ultimately, God's sovereign grace will be universally confessed. And either in heaven or in hell, it will be everlastingly acknowledged to be true by all men and women. Peter says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. When Peter the Apostle declared that truth, that fact to the religious Jews of his day, He was ministering about a salvation, about a gospel truth that was vested in the Lord Jesus Christ in his role as an apostle and a preacher. Peter the apostle, Peter the preacher was declaring that salvation comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uniquely and completely. And Peter declared God's message with authority, much indeed as the Old Testament prophets had done in that previous dispensation. They, the prophets of the Old Testament, pointed forward in types and in shadows. And in dark speeches to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been thinking about that in the passage that we read about Aaron's rod. That buddied in the, the passage of uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, woman that, that, that speaks of her beloved in the Song of Solomon. And here... In the uh, pictures that we have from Isaiah, we see these dark speeches, these shadows and types pointing forward to the coming Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what the prophets declared. Likewise, the apostles in the New Testament testified of the same thing. But rather than testifying about what would happen, they testified about what they had seen at the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ and what they had heard from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ. They spoke of a personal witness of what they had seen and heard. And like the prophets of old, they declared Christ. But there are also other roles that gospel preachers fulfill and here in this passage from Isaiah we encounter another role that gospel preachers have as well as declaring the words and works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the role of watchman. Like the apostles of old, gospel preachers in the church of Jesus Christ fulfill the role of watchman. Now, watchman is an Old Testament name for those that stood guard upon the walls of the city and watched for danger. Interestingly, uh, we saw that the watchmen were spoken of uh, by the beloved in Song of Solomon in the chapter that we read of Song of Solomon, that she went out into the streets in the night time and she encountered there the watchmen, which suggests that these watchmen, they watched over the streets of the city and they stood on the walls of the city As guards. And so they watched for danger. Sometimes they walked the streets of the city in the night. Marking time in the hours of darkness. Reassuring the inhabitants in the night season. And they are prefiguring a spiritual role that a preacher has in the church of Jesus Christ in these days as well. As watchmen in Christ's church, gospel preachers warn of danger from enemies without the church, who spread false doctrine and try to steal away believers. And they also bring comfort within the church by marking the passage of time, watching and praying and declaring the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ, encouraging and comforting the Lord's people. They preach the gospel to comfort and to reassure God's people of their security in Christ. They remind us the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is a holy city surrounded by walls of salvation and upon the walls of Zion and in its streets the watchmen serve God's people. And it is such a watchman that Isaiah is alluding to in the verses before us today. We saw the watchman in the context of the burden of Babylon, the so-called burden of the desert of the sea. But it is to the verses that are in verse 11 and 12 that I want to draw our particular attention today. This is the burden of Duma. And it is really a very, very short Burden. Nothing is said about the terrible things that might happen here in the same way as uh, catastrophe and calamity are spoken in these other burdens that we have been considering. Nothing more is said concerning Duma, except we have this reference to the watchman. And this watchman is a servant of God. Maybe indeed. It was Isaiah himself, charged with warning of danger and reassuring the people. And what I want to do today in the time that is available to me is just make three little applications as we spiritualize these two verses. And I'm going to take them as three headings. I want us to think about an earnest inquiry. Watchman, what of the night? It is an earnest inquiry. It comes with a sincerity. It comes with an earnestness. It is a question that is meant to find an answer. And I want to take as my second point A humble honesty by the person who asks that question. And thirdly, we're going to think about our great watchman, who is, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ, who watcheth over the flock of his people. So here's our three points. An earnest inquiry, a humble honesty, and our great Uh, watchman. So let us take our first point then in the context of these few verses from Isaiah chapter 21. We have before us in this little phrase, watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? An earnest inquiry. In this burden that Isaiah brings to our attention, we learn of a question given to the watchman. The watchman is asked, what of the night? And it's interesting for us to note that this question originates from a man of Seir. He is a Gentile. He is an Edomite. He is a stranger and a foreigner, and yet one who is anxious to discover what the watchman knows about the prevailing circumstances, about what is happening. If this is a question asked personally to Isaiah, it is a question. Concerning the ways of God. And it is a question concerning the meaning of God's revelation. Here is a man of Seir asking the prophet Isaiah as God's watchman, What is happening? What is your prophecy telling me? What is all of this about And to that extent, it is an important question and as important a question as any stranger can ask. This is a question asked twice. Now, either it is a question asked by one person on two occasions with urgency, or it is asked by two people in quick succession. Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? Let me paraphrase these questions in a spiritual context. The questioner is asking, with an earnest inquiry, what is happening? Why is this world so dark? What does all this mean? Is there a purpose to life? What means this message from God? Is there a God? What happens when we die? These are questions every faithful watchman, every faithful preacher is glad to hear asked because it opens up the opportunity to speak of the way of salvation and to speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah's message, of course, was Christ. It was Christ that Isaiah was speaking about. It was to tell the people of his age and of successive ages, That the Lord Jesus Christ was coming, that they were not to be disheartened, that they were not to be broken. Because while there would be much transpired in the history of the nations, yet God would preserve himself a remnant. The elect people of God would be preserved and from that people The Messiah would come to establish his kingdom. It was faith in that promise. Faith in the coming Messiah. That characterized the Lord's spiritual people. And has characterized them in every age. And so here is Isaiah speaking as a watchman of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is speaking of The coming morning. That is a a, a picture, the morning or morning light, just as we had in our opening hymn there today. The morning light or Christ, the hind of the morning. Christ, the rising sun of righteousness, is a common picture of the Saviour's coming into the world. Christ would come just as the morning would come, just as the sun of righteousness would rise. And when the the, the, the uh, Messiah of Israel would be revealed, then that one who was the morning star, that one who was the Lion of Judah, would sit upon his throne. It's as if the the Gentile, the stranger, the foreigner, the man of seer, cries to to the prophet, what is your message for me today? And Isaiah says, you ask, I'll tell you. And so every faithful preacher must be ready to answer an earnest inquirer. With a reason for the hope that is within us. What does he have to say? He says that there is a night of sin. He says that there is a night of death. He says, but there is a morning of hope in Jesus Christ to come. We have something to say to an earnest inquirer after The things of the Lord. We have something to say concerning the matter and the meaning of Christ's coming into the world. We have something to say concerning Christ the Saviour, the hind of the morning who comes to bless. Poor sinners. We have a message of good news for troubled hearts, of grace and salvation, of forgiveness and pardon, of liberty and everlasting life. And our gospel is a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ, God's Son, and his saving accomplishments on the cross. This is our message. We have a message of hope in the power of Christ's blood to cleanse from sin. And our trust is in the fitness of his righteousness to cover and to clothe our nakedness and prepare us for the presence of God. We believe grace to be a completed work. We believe in an effectual redemption that has been accomplished. We believe that it is founded on divine love that overcomes every obstacle in order to bring God's people to glory. And our faith is in Jesus Christ, the only way of salvation. That is our message to the earnest inquirer who says, watchman, what of the night? And what does a sinner say to that message? Well, what did you say? What did you say when you heard that answer? What did you say when you heard the answer about Christ, the Son of Righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. I don't know what the Edomite from Seir replied to the prophet, but the prophet being willing to engage in pointing to Christ invites further study. And so a gospel preacher happily invites further inquiry and response. We can't give people everlasting life, but we can point to one who can. If ye will inquire, inquire ye, says the prophet. If you you have a question, bring your question If you have an earnest desire, if you have a felt need, if you have an awareness of sin, if you see that there is an emptiness in your soul, then inquire, return, come. Some scoff and turn away. No doubt, no doubt that will be the response when the gospel is preached. But the Lord has a remnant for whom such a message is joy and peace. He has a people who delight to hear these things declared. And perhaps the Gentile from Seir was one of those people. By this gospel, we discover evidence of God's grace in the lives of his people. How do we know who God's people are? They are the ones who hunger and thirst after righteousness. And being taught of the Lord, they come to faith in Jesus Christ. But the work of a watchman perhaps is mostly directed towards God's people. He stands on the wall, scanning for dangers that might harm the inhabitants of the city. The enemies without, such as these false teachers with their false doctrine, such as temptation that will come to the little ones and to the lambs and to the flock of the Lord that watches for sheep stealers and thieves who break in and steal a believer's peace and joy he watches for the enemies without and he walks the streets in the night searching for the enemies within such as doubt and unbelief and spiritual coldness and misplaced fear. And it is not only the Gentile from Seir that asks, but it is also the Lord's people themselves who inquire, Watchmen, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? And this takes us to our second point. But there ought to be, in the thinking of every true believer, a humble honesty to ask such a question. It is very appropriate in the people of God to possess a humble honesty. We all encounter periods of Of night in our soul and times of darkness in our spirit. The men and women whose life is a continuous blessing have more to be anxious about with respect to their spirits than they realize. The reason for our trial is that God purposefully and intentionally brings trouble and hardship into the lives of His people. Because it is by trial as a means that He deepens our knowledge of our personal need and proves the sufficiency. Of His grace towards us. It is divine love that prompts chastening. But this chastening is discipline, it's not punishment. It is exercise to strengthen and equip us for Christ's service. The Lord doesn't send a, a load of, of infants and children onto the battlefield of this world as far as spiritual matters are concerned. Nor does He want uh, uh, those who, who have no strength, those who, who have no energy, those who have no experience in the battalions that have to man the trenches of this war. The Lord prepares his people, and he prepares us using trials. It is the trials of life that equip us and give us the experience to know where our help is found. It is a mark of God's wisdom that he deals with us so. It's a poor parent Who spoils a child through lack of discipline? And God is no poor parent. And yet, for the Lord's people, these trials are real and they are painful. We lose a loved one, we lose a partner, we lose a child, we we encounter loneliness. We, we, we become ill and frail and aged, we suffer pain, we suffer poverty, we experience frustration. We thereby uncover all manner of sin that still dwells in our hearts, which we had hoped that long ago had been conquered. And I cannot begin to enumerate or identify all the shades or flavors or the nature of the troubles that we will face as the lord's people. We read the other night there is no temptation taken us but as, but uh, such as is common to man in all of these trials we have Doubtless to encounter more than we think we are able to bear, more than we think we have need of, and often for longer than we would like. But this is God at work in our lives, and this is how we should interpret our trials God is working in our lives. Therefore, these things, this is the the burn in the muscles of our soul. This is the hard path that must be trodden. This is the challenge of our life. How do we cope? How long will the pain last? When will it end? We fear the lingering darkness. We fear the emptiness of soul. We fear the long night of mourning. We shudder at the cold. We desire after the warmth of the sun once again. Our soul cries out for mercy and help, and the Lord seems to say, Not yet, not yet. And we cry, Watchmen, what of the night? watchman what of the night how long does this go on the apostle says once again there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man but god is faithful he will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. That ye may be able to bear it. You see what Paul is telling us here? There is an endurance that will be perfected because of the trials that we are experiencing. And the Lord will strengthen us that we may be able to bear it. What is the way of escape that is being spoken of in this verse? Is it not that we learn to lean more heavily upon our deliverer? Is it not that we learn more intimately about our own weaknesses and about his strengths? and resources, and provision? Is it not that he nurtures in our souls patience and forbearance, and sympathy and empathy for others, as he strips us of our self-confidence and our independence and our pride? What is this way of escape that the Lord will provide? It's not the removal of temptation, but it is the means of bearing it. It is the strength to endure it. It is the grace to persevere in it. And again, we go back to Isaiah's words in the burden of Duma. Isaiah's answer cheers us in the midst of our trials and temptations. He tells us that this too will pass. The morning will come, he says. The morning will come. But yet remember, again the night will follow day. Just as sure as, well, day follows night. And if the Lord will take a thorn from our flesh, it is because our lesson has been learned for the moment. But do not imagine that another thorn won't arise. Our rest is not to be in this world and in this flesh and in this life. Our rest lies beyond the grave. Our rest lies in Christ and in the glory that he is preparing for us. When the time comes for us to lay down this body of flesh, we shall be grateful to relinquish it and to leave all our troubles behind. And until then, the morning cometh and also the night Let these two dwell in tandem in our mind. As we take our prayers to the Lord, let us remember that, yes, he will hear them and he will answer them. A morning will come, but a night will follow just as surely. This is no fatalism or defeatism that we're speaking about here. Yes, we dwell in a body of death, but there is a positive dimension to this structure in which the Lord has chosen to to teach, to tutor, to lead his people. Here we see the positive intervention of God in our life to accomplish his ends, to bless his people, and to show us and reveal to us his glory. And here's the key to that understanding. The Lord will be inquired of. Isaiah says, If ye will inquire, inquire ye. Return, come. You're going through a hard time just now. You're experiencing trial just now. What is your duty? What is your responsibility? What is your privilege in this moment? But to inquire of the Lord. To return and to come to his throne of grace and mercy. The Lord will be inquired of. Let me tell you what that means. Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 37 says this. Thus saith the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them. This is what that verse means. The Lord promises that he will bless his people. He promises to increase us. He promises to do us good. And yet he ordains our blessings in such a way as to cause his people to ask and to pray and to plead for what he has already determined and ordained to do. He will be inquired of before he gives us all the good that he has in store. And the only motivation we have to inquire of the Lord is the trials and the temptations that he puts us through until these blessings arrive. And this brings us to our third point. This is brief. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the great watchman. Isaiah served in the role of watchman. The apostles were in the role of watchman. The Lord places pastors amongst his sheep, ministers in the household of faith, teachers in his classrooms. But let us always remember it is Christ himself who is the great shepherd, the good master and the true light. And so too our Saviour is the principal watchman. It is he who stood upon the walls of Zion in the everlasting covenant of grace and identified all our enemies. It is he who went to the cross and battled our foes into submission and led them captive. It is he who walks the streets of Zion, his holy city, marking the hours, ordering the times and the seasons, managing our welfare and supplying our every need. Christ watches over us like no pastor ever could. He is the keeper of his people who as the omniscient and omnipotent God knows all things that we need and is able to supply them. He shall be quick to bring about those blessings. He is the chief shepherd of his people and he does for us what no mere pastor ever could So when you next find yourself crying out, as you must and as you will, Watchman, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? Remember too these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for ever. All hail, mighty watchman. What of the night? Amen.